There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning in once again to our Wednesday edition of the podcast. We certainly are thankful for each of you that tune in and listen. We're thankful for those of you listening in foreign countries, different states. We have folks from down south that tune in. What a blessing we have folks Almost every day, we see downloads that come in from Texas, we see from Mississippi, from Alabama, Georgia, North and South Carolina, Arkansas, and I don't know if Missouri is considered South or not. Some would dispute about that. People in Missouri would be offended by that, but folks South of Missouri would be offended if I said they were a Southern state. Yet, we have downloads almost every day from the state of Missouri, and we just rejoice in that. We thank God for those that listen, those in Oklahoma. And uh, we have folks that tune in from all over the South, and what a blessing that is. And so continue to listen, continue to let folks know about the podcast. And again, what we want to do is we want to bring glory and honor unto Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of this podcast. And uh, we don't promote self. We don't promote others. We don't sell out for business. We pay the bills ourselves. Some of you have helped out. How We thank you for that. We bless the Lord for that. And uh, we have some individuals that now that not only support the podcast, support the ministry, and we thank God for each and every one of them. Send in monthly support, weekly support, quarterly support, annual support. We don't have any hourly support. I guess you could do that. It'd be kind of weird after a while, especially if you're writing checks. Uh, but we're just thankful for those that have an interest in the ministry, those that have invested in the McVeigh family. And I would just want to do the Lord's will. My wife and children, I believe, are part of that. We want to do the Lord's will. Where the Lord leads us, we will follow. Where he guides us, he will provide for us. We believe that. And we've proven that. And he has proven himself to us. We haven't had to prove that. God's proven that. And what a joy it is to know him. We're going to be back in Psalm 132 today. And a little bit different messianic psalm. We're not talking about the birth of Christ. We're not talking about the death of Christ. We're not talking about the resurrection of Christ. But we get into Psalm 132, and at a point here, we are going to see where Psalm 132 turns into messianic because it's looking to that time of Christ's reign on earth when he's going to sit on the throne of David. And we see that in Psalm 132 when he says, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions. Now, it's interesting. This is a song of degrees, but it's not a song of David. Yet the psalmist writes this about David. This song is sung about David because it says, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swear unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up unto my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Now, that is the promise that David has made to the Lord. That's a vow that David has vowed. And David didn't just unwittingly do that or randomly do that or kind of casually do that. But no, he has challenged his, his son Solomon. David has challenged him with the word of God and shared with him what his desire is to build a house for the Most High God. 
And of course, then Solomon has done that. And Solomon comes and, and Solomon takes the challenge that the Lord, or that David rather, has given him to walk in the charge of the God, Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes. And he goes on and challenges him about building a house, a dwelling place for the Lord. That's a promise that David has made, and he lays that upon Solomon. God is not going to let him build that great resting place of the ark of God because of the war, the blood that's been shed under his kingdom and for him to take that kingdom. But Solomon has peace all his years, and so the house of God is built, and the ark of God has a resting place. It no longer wanders. It no longer is borne upon the shoulders. It has a resting place in the finest house ever built, uh, the most magnificent structure ever been on earth. The Taj Mahal pales in comparison to that temple of the Most High God. And can I say to you, my friend, the greatest structures on this earth pale in comparison to the temple of the Most High God. I've seen some of the beautiful mosques of the Middle East and Angkor Wat and some of those beautiful places and Buddhist temples and, and Shinto temples. And I've seen some of the great uh, cathedrals of Europe and I've seen some of the great cathedrals of Central America. And I've seen many of these in the United States, the great Mormon temples and the beauty of the alabaster stone. And I've seen the great temple in D.C. And I've seen uh, the National Cathedral and been in some of these most wonderful buildings, but yet they pale in comparison to the beauty of the house that Solomon built because his father David had pledged the Lord, that he would build him a house. And David gathered all those things needed for Solomon. And Solomon gathered everything else he needed and began to build that house of the Lord according to the promise of his father, David. In verse six, lo, we heard of it at Ephrata. We found it in the fields of the wood. And it's interesting. He talks about Ephrata there. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. We will go into his tabernacles. We will worship at his footstool. Why at his footstool? It's where that alabaster box was, was broken. It's where uh, Jesus Christ, uh, that worship takes place at his feet, at his footstool. It's there that the Lord has established his place of worship. It's there the Lord has established that place where men can meet with him. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, through in the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. So again, we see the prophecy concerning the temple. We can see the prophecy concerning that which is to be built. But then we pull back and we see other prophecy, and we realize that this is speaking of a temple that not just that Solomon built, this is speaking of a temple which is to come. This is speaking of that one which is to be built. This is speaking of that one where Jesus Christ himself will sit on the throne of David, for he says in verse 11, the Lord has sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. Now, John chapter 7 makes mention of that in verse 42. Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh out of the seed of David, there it is, and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? Now, the book of Micah tells us that Bethlehem, Judah, what about Bethlehem, Judah? Well, he said that Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth, shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. And then Acts chapter 2 tells us, Peter's great prophecy, we speak of often on this podcast, therefore being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, 
he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. That's a promise that God has made to David. And then 2 Samuel, and the great reference there in 2 Samuel, and it's in chapter 7, in verse 2, the king said unto Nathan, the prophet, see, now I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And so David's concerned about the ark of God. He wants a resting place for that ark. But in verse 12, the word of God says in 2 Samuel 7, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. It's interesting. He says that. He's not talking about Solomon there. He's talking about the promise of God. So out of the seed of thy bowels, I will establish his kingdom. Well, in verse 11, the Lord has sworn sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Or the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. What a promise of God. Glory to God that I will set upon thy throne. Why? The person of Jesus Christ, God in flesh. And yet when Jesus Christ returns to this earth, and it will not be in the air, it will be puts his feet on this earth, and that mount cleaves asunder, and he enters that eastern gate and ascends the throne of David, his rightful throne, his throne of the lineage of David, the house of David, of the seed of David, because of the promise given to David, and it's there that Jesus Christ will rule for 1,000 years. The problem with the Bible corrector and the Bible skeptic and the amillennialist is they don't believe what the Word of God said. He said that he would sit upon his throne. He said in our text, Psalm 132, verse 11, that I will I, by the way, that word will, there's a strong word. Those of you that know our ministry know that's something we've really hammered these last three or four years. It's God's will. It's an absolute. It's going to take place because it's God's will that he will not turn on the fruit of thy body. Will I set upon thy throne? And God is going to set upon his throne in the person of Jesus Christ. That's a promise of God. This is messianic. It's not we normally look at a messianic. This is not the sufferings of Christ. This is not the resurrection of Christ. This, again, is that millennial reign of Jesus Christ when he sits rightfully upon that throne of David. In verse 12, if thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. Now, did they sit upon his throne forevermore? No. Why? They turned from it. Solomon loved many strange women. Rehoboam came, was going to abuse the people of Israel. God rent the kingdom from him. And all but those few tribes and gave the rest to, to Jeroboam. And Rehoboam was left with the remnant. Why? Because they did not obey God. They did not obey, obey the voice of God. Solomon was a disobedient son. In verse 13, for the Lord hath chosen Zion. That's that chosen place, that mount of God. He hath desired it for his habitation. Now, I don't have a lot of insight into that. But I do know a couple of things. And a couple of those things I know, I know that it was in Zion there on that mount that Isaac was going to be offered up, and God selected a ram in the thicket and was offered up that ram for a sacrifice. I know that it's on that mount that Ornan the Jebusite was threshing wheat when David saw the angel of the Lord over Jerusalem, and David offered sacrifice to the Most High God, and fire came down on that threshing floor and consumed that sacrifice. And I know enough there that God... That was enough, I believe, for God to show us that that's the mount, that's the place, that's where the temple is today, and that's where the temple will be in that day. 
And I believe that that's enough to understand why God chose that place, but it may be more than that. God can do as he pleases. I wouldn't try to guess why God chose Zion, but he chose Zion. And he told us he's chosen Zion. He had desired it for his habitation. It's a chosen place of God. And that's where the habitation of the ark was. That's where his dwelling with Abraham was. That's where his dwelling place on earth will be for 1,000 years. It's going to be in Mount Zion, the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And on that mount in Jerusalem, where now a mosque stands, and on that mount, a temple will be built, the finest of all temples. And all men will come down to that temple, and they'll see Jesus Christ on the throne of David. They'll bow the knee, and they'll worship him in that holy place. And oh, my friend, our generation behind us, our children, our grandchildren might be of that group that comes down and bows the knee and worships at that holy temple. Oh, what a joy. What a victory. What a thought to see them. I said many, many years ago, preaching in that millennial reign, I believe that Jebusite Onan and his four sons are going to come down by that temple mountain. Onan's going to point to that temple and say, boys, do you remember the day daddy was out there threshing the wheat and God came by and visited his old Gentile dog and his boys will bow the knee to that holy place where the throne of Jesus Christ is on that throne of David and they'll say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. What a difference it made when God passed by. What a difference it made when that old Gentile dog out there said, I give it all. What a difference it makes. And I'm glad, thank God for that special place, that Mount Zion, chosen place of God, a holy place of God. And in verse 14, the Lord said, this is my rest forever. Here will I dwell for I have desired it. I realize it's speaking of the ark in David's day, but I believe there's a day which is coming. It will be a resting place for him. It will be his chosen place. He said, I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. He is the bread of life. Oh, many men that cometh to him, he'll find rest, he'll find bread, he'll find substance, he'll find it in Jesus Christ. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. Why? Because that's that holy mount of God, that chosen place of God, that throne of God where Jesus Christ himself, there'll be no need for an ark there, for the Lamb of God himself will be on the throne. That holy one of God will be on the throne. And he'll sit on that throne, and you'll see the wounds in those hands where he was wounded in the house of his friend. You'll see the wounds in his feet. Again, he's wounded in the house of his friend. You'll see the wound in his side where the blood and the water gushed forth. And he'll be the king of all the earth, and he'll do right, and he'll do just, and he'll do judgment, and he'll be holy, and we'll bow the knee and worship him in that holy temple, and he'll have his rest, and he'll have his day. And oh, what a glorious day it'll be, because he's going to clothe his priest with salvation. Her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. Why, he's the light of the world. Glory to God. That candlestick will burn brighter each and every day. Those seven spirits of God before the throne of God will take that holy golden oil through golden pipes out of the law and the prophets, and they'll pipe into those lamps. And the law and the prophets will make Jesus Christ burn brighter each and every day. And the world will come and worship him and see him in the beauty of holiness. It'll be a glorious thing. It'll be a wonderful thing. It'll be a glorious day when Jesus Christ ascends that throne and rules and he reigns in holiness and godliness. What a wonderful day. His enemies will I clothe with shame. But upon himself shall his crown flourish. A very distinct word, not upon him, 
but upon himself shall his crown flourish. What is that crown? It's the crown of the Lamb of God. It's the crown of the Holy One of God. It's the crown that he'll wear as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That name that cannot be uttered, but yet that vesture dipped in blood, O oh, glory to God. Holiness unto the Lord, that mitre upon his forehead. Having borne all of our iniquities and all of our sins, and having borne that in himself, and you and I can be free, you and I can be clean, you and I can be pure. And there he'll rule on that throne with holiness to the Lord. Having done all, having been all, and truly in the end of that day, he can say it is finished and it will be finished. The work of God will be done. When Jesus Christ comes down off that throne, this earth can be destroyed with, a, with fire. That fervent heat is going to melt the elements thereof. Oh, glory to God. The old are passed away and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. What a wonderful day. What a glorious day. What a marvelous day. Uh, would you tune in tomorrow? Pray for us. Pray the Lord will help us. Continue to pray for the podcast. Thank you so much. Have a great day. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church. 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Singing the glorious song of the redeemed.